Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles this weekly, podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is November 19th, 2018. This is episode 257. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on this week's show, we're going to briefly touch on the developments since uh, Bird's Eye View decided to turn into an ostrich and put its head in the sand for the offseason. We'll also, Scott, take a little walk. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake. What are you imbibing on this week? I'm drinking prison wine. Okay. No, no, I'm drinking sangria. Made this weekend for my sister-in-law's uh, surprise birthday party. Did your aunt make this? Oh, no, no. This is a this is an English family uh, original. Okay. We uh, perused as many different recipes as possible and uh, threw in the kitchen sink. So you just dumped everything that you could possibly put into this and just said, up oh, it's sangria. Yes. Mm, okay. I did start with prison wine. All right. Well, that's good. But it's fruity prison wine. So did your wife enjoy this? Yes. Did anything happen afterwards? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Forgot to ask. Scott, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking Jack Daniels Single Barrel Rye, uh, celebrating a happy occasion. Really? Yeah. Mazel tov, my friend. Yeah. I thought you guys were done. Well, I mean, Jake, you're here, so it's the happy occasion. Both of us finally will get lucky. If you want to know what we're drinking on a weekly basis, check us out on Untapped. Hey, again, we're not rusty whatsoever. Check us out on Untapped. I'm at MEGN8606. I'm at Jake E4025. And while Jake swallows that sangria, let's go through in 240 characters or less this week on the Twitters. Um, I think Scotty... Anything. The word anything is a dangerous word. And of course, I'm referring to a tweet that comes from the Baltimore Orioles, where they tweeted to let us know that we could ask new Orioles executive vice president and general manager Mike Elias anything today at 2 p.m. Eastern on Reddit. Hmm. Scott, if you had one question to ask Mike Elias, what would you ask him? What does Dan Duquette's office actually look like? That's a pretty good question. <laughs> That's a pretty good question. Either that or... Did you find any Jimmy John's coupons? <laughs> is your new office bigger than the GM's office in Houston? Yeah. That'd be a good one. Yeah, I mean, there was a ton of really good questions out there. But one in particular struck my chord. And this, uh, this question came from El Ingeniero. And it said, Welcome to the O's, Mike. Between the O's and the Astros, is there any truth to the rumor I'm starting right now that orange is your favorite color and a major factor of why you signed with Baltimore? And lo and behold, we have a response of, I have amassed a vast and expensive orange tie collection, and to be able to recycle those ties was a huge factor in coming over. So, folks, it's been confirmed. Jake English is your new general manager of the Baltimore Orioles. It's true. I like any man who has a collection, a vast collection of orange ties. Well, Jake, of course, big news going around about the uh, recent signing by the Baltimore Orioles. But let's not forget the past. And this next week comes from Be More Around Town at Be More Around Town. We have some secret special guests for the sixth annual Hashtag Stay Hungry Tailgate uh, hosted by Simply AJ10 on November 25th. 
who else is joining us for Baltimore's biggest tailgate fundraising event? So, Jake, I'm going to be there. Are you really? Are you going to come? Uh, no. 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 I'm too boring. Well, looking forward to going out and tipping the cap one last time to the captain. And, uh, you know, maybe having a few beers and some food in the process. Yeah, let me know how that goes. That is a, a good time, as it's been reported to me. All right. Next one. Um, well, this one always makes me feel a bit bad. But uh, Ryan Blake, um, notorious guest here on Bird's Eye View in the past, um, made another dumb bet with himself. And uh, if anyone doesn't know, Ryan is um, infamous for eating a bunch of purple crayons when the Ravens didn't have you know a game go their way. So Ryan decided to put his foot in his mouth once again earlier this season and said, uh, I will eat uh, seven orange crayons if uh, Chris Davis has more strikeouts uh, than is higher than his batting average, which, lo and behold, did happen. So Ryan Blake uh, came out at the very end of the season uh, posted a picture of various condiments. I see Texas Pete here, uh, Tostitos cheese sauce, uh, honey, Old Bay, Nutella, A1, King syrup. Good choice there for high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> we got barbecue sauce, some heavy whipping cream, and then Ken's ranch dressing. So a, a cornucopia, as it were. A cornucopia of culinary yes, delights. Especially on this Thanksgiving precipice. Um, so Ryan is was getting ready for uh, you know eating crayons and then Ryan realized after eating 10 crayons that uh, he didn't get the non-toxic ones. And uh, that's when, you know, the exact moment was realized that Ryan Blake realized he had a problem. R.I.P. I.P. Yeah. Nice. All right, uh, Scotty, I know we haven't done this since, like, I don't know, episode 38 or something. Yeah. But uh, we, don't, we don't talk a whole lot of Ravens here. Good. But the Ravens... Uh, were an interesting commodity on Twitter while we've been away. Look, it, it's not just been a week. We've been gone for about a month now, and uh, two things that I just want to point out. First, instant meme. Yeah. When Justin Tucker missed that field goal. Yeah. Or, or the extra the extra, extra point, point against yeah. the Saints, yeah. Hilarious. I'm just going to pick one at random. Good friend of the program, Connor Garcia. When you forgot your Royal Farms pregame coffee, and there is Justin Tucker staring in absolute disbelief. Scotty, I cannot wait to just save this put it in the folder, and come back to it. Let's say, now that we've lost a uh, plethora of Orioles greats uh, through the great purging of 2018, we're going to need memes going into the 2019 with a, you know, a, a depth of nothingness. Uh, I mean, is there really a good Jonathan Villar meme out there? No. Nothing meaningful, no. no nothing meaningful, no. Uh, but absolutely, uh, this is a meme that uh, will see circulation even into the Orioles season, I believe. The next one, I just wanted to give props. Even his lukewarm takes are on point. This, of course, is Andrew Stecka, who tweets at A. Stecka. I'm really excited to sit on my couch and overreact to a rookie quarterback today. Should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great piece of commentary on Baltimore fandom. Well, Jake, as you have mentioned, uh, we've been gone for a month. Um, you know, there's not been a ton that has gone on. But there has been stuff that I think we need to get out of the way since our dynamic duo last left us. Hey, 
So, Jake, younger listeners, by the way, are super impressed with this. Yeah, they're just like, what's going on? But does that, does that make me the squirrel? I, I think so. I think so. Ryan Blake is very confused right now. Uh, so, first on the bat, uh, Buck was fired. I mean, what? I mean, was he fired or was he just like, we're not going to renew your contract? But Buck Showalter's not coming back? Yeah, he's not coming back. What are you talking about? Yeah, he's not coming back. How did I miss that? We've been gone for like, okay, no Buck Showalter. I mean, it was on BeMoreBaseball.com and a bunch of other avenues. But, you know, Buck did come out with an open letter. Um, you know, he posted on BeMoreBaseball.com. It was an interesting kind of open letter. Um, I don't know if it was necessary. Here's the thing about the open letter. I think that the open letter from Buck Showalter to the fans was received as Buck Showalter mm-hmm. was received. Some people thought it was great. Some people thought it was meh. And some people were like, well, I mean, I, I guess I guess you could do that. Yeah. And that really is the fans' reaction to Buck Showalter in the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, he, uh, he got certain things about you know, being a part of this. Sure. And, uh, you know, it was cool to him, you know, to see him express that. Yeah, I mean, I think when he was asked not to come back, I think the the, the subtle nod that he made through his agent, mm-hmm. I think was, I wanted to see him just walk into the sunset. I don't know if I needed a 500-word piece on uh, Rich Dubroff's column on com, but say la vie. It kind of just sullied a little bit. It was like... Ric Flair coming back and wrestling for TNA. Yeah, but I, I will say on the other side of that, you know, there was the will they, won't they, and that was our last, you know, moment with him. And then it was kind of announced later he wasn't coming back. There was no goodbye. But we don't need, we didn't need to say it. We knew this was coming. We had talked about this even during our last episode of we knew Buck was not coming back. What? We had a last episode? We did. Good Lord, I need to pay more attention. Yes. All right, next on the uh, on the hit parade of things that have happened since last we've been with you. Um, the Orioles lost out on Victor Victor Mesa. What? Both Mesas and Sandy Gaston? Sandy Gaston. So all that international slot money, and we got none of the, uh, none of the good stuff, huh? No, I mean, there are still people out there. Let's just the Orioles did come out and sign additional people. That's true. There are still people internationally. Yeah, there are still people internationally, but uh, certainly the fan base uh, went into meltdown mode. The, this fan base. This fan base. The, the Orioles fan base acted irrationally. Uh, absolutely. After huh. Victor Victor Mesa was not signed. Huh. So I guess my question is: you know, you look at what Victor Victor Mesa signed for uh, five plus million dollars. Um, is, it a, is that an overspend? Would you have gone above that to basically get Victor Victor Mesa? Because that's the argument that's being made is if the Orioles did not trade away money, could they have gone out and given an extra million dollars and potentially gotten him? If I'm the Orioles, yeah. do I overspend? Yes. Okay. If I'm another club, probably no. not. Gotcha. Also, if I'm the Orioles without somebody at the helm, Yes, gotcha. because that is swinging for the fences in the way that the new administration can't be blamed for. Mm. So let me ask you this question, uh, and we'll get to this at a later point. Um, actually, I'll, I'll raise this question as a, as a rhetorical question. We can come back at a later point in this episode. Okay, I'll get your rhetoric. Um, was this Brady Anderson's last failure? Huh. 
Huh. His his 2018 Nolan Reimold, if you will. Yes. Okay. We'll we'll come back to that. Yes. We'll come back to that, and uh, I, I I raise you that, and we'll come back and answer that. So, Jake, the World Series happened. Great playoff baseball. Um, some memorable moments. Uh, and uh, again, we get to celebrate a, a Red Sox uh, World Series once again. Great, great. Got to tell you, I I mentioned uh, on the Twitters I was out of state a couple weeks ago. I went uh, I went to the the most magical place on earth, Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, a lot of brand new boston red sox hats mm. a lot imagine that just crisp out of the box red sox no hats. no you're misconstruing this uh they may have looked new but listen those folks found them in their grandfather's attic and they just had not been worn for several years i totally understand that yeah totally understand that uh we retreated to something else in the world series and that was our first taste of a manny machado that's tough to root for well, we saw that during the Brewers-Dodgers series as well, um, with the Brewers also Christian Yelich coming out and saying he's a dirty effing, dirty effing player. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I saw some of the stuff that Manny did, but it's, I didn't think it was that big of a deal personally. Like, I think it was blown up. I I think that, uh, I think that Manny Machado will be a different baseball player uh, for for me to root for now that he's no longer wearing the the laundry, um, I love watching his on the field play, mm-hmm. and uh, you know some of the some of the personality I think is going to rub Oriole fans the wrong way now that he's gone. Let me put it that way. I will put Manny Machado in the same category as I would a Bryce Harper or Mike Trout, saying the guy's a superstar and. Uh, as much as people want to hate him, um, that's fine. But he's going to be an A-Rod-like talent, and I'm perfectly fine with that. And if people want to turn him into um, a bad guy or a heel or whatever it is, so be it. But the dude's still going to get paid $300 million and uh, is still going to be one of the top 10 players in all of Major League Baseball. Who else has recently gotten paid? Mm, I don't know. Who else has gotten paid? Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce, former Oriole and now newly re-signed Boston Red Sox, Steve Pierce. MVP, Steve Pierce. Look, I'm so happy for the dude. He is so easy to root for. I'm I'm really, really glad that he's found success. It's just that now he'll be noted Boston Red Sox, Steve Pierce. For all eternity. Not... Part of the glory years of the Orioles. Yeah. Steve Pierce. Yeah. They steal my happiness one bit at a time. Yeah. Hmm. We love you, Steve Pierce. What else is going on? What what else has happened since since last we left our heroes? Well, there was the Arizona Fall League. Ryan McKenna did okay in it. Chris Lee went to it. Why why did why did Chris Lee go to it? Why not? I had gotten the impression that Chris Lee was on the down and outs organizationally. Yeah, but why wouldn't you send him out there and see if someone might be interested in him? Okay, fair enough. Do you think that this do you think this reflects that they're trying to shop him to get rid of him or do you think that they're trying to rehab his career? I think they're trying to rehab his career. I okay. think they're trying to turn him into a long man. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I think they're trying to turn him into a long man, uh trying to get maybe 3 to 4 innings out of him, turn him into something. So, a Mark Hendrickson? Yeah, Mark Hendrickson. 
Yeah, so he'll be coaching single A anytime now. Hey, Scotty, while we were gone, the GM meetings happened. <sighs> Tough thing. No Orioles GM. Yeah. But did really anything big happen to the GM meetings? No. 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 This was a lot of hullabaloo of like, well, if we don't have a GM, what's that mean for the Orioles? And it's like, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It's not a big deal. Trip Norton and, you know, Brian Graham are going to call people on the phone, and that's yeah. not going to lead to anything, just yeah. like every other GM meeting. Yeah, not a big deal. Moving on. Uh, a couple of roster updates. This is fun. Uh, big news. Big news. John Andrioli, claimed by the Mariners, uh, no longer an Oriole. I miss him already, Scott. Yeah. I miss him already. Uh, Sean Gale Martin was also waived. Who? Uh, Sean Gale Martin. That was the guy that like threw 88 miles per hour. Which, which one? Oh, okay. Uh, Corbin Joseph was uh, waived as well. Caleb Joseph is gone. Yes, and uh, so was Peterson, actually, as well. Uh. That Peterson guy. <laughs> so no no big losses, but yeah. then again, we didn't really have much talent anyway. And then the O's and Nats wrapped up their arguments in the Masson case, and now that goes back into legal proceedings for probably to be answered in three to six months. I'm super interested in this. I'm, I'm We've been just, saying that since 2012. I'm still super interested. Yeah. Waiting on bated breath. So based off of this uh, itinerary of things that uh, have happened uh, since we last met, there is a reason why this podcast goes into <laughs> hiatus during the offseason. Oh, if oh we were to attempt to talk about this for a significant period of time, well, by God, you need to do something better with your life. Go talk to your children. Get out of the house. Go, go out and see the sun. Go listen to another podcast if that's really <laughs> the case. There's plenty of good ones out there. If you need recommendations, please reach out to me and Jake. We can recommend a recommendation to you. But the Orioles did go out and make an interesting move and one that enticed us to go and maybe have a little bit of a conversation with it. Jake, let's go ahead and take a little walk. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. I'm in a world of madness. I'm trying to escape. Can't believe this was made by the Orioles. I think to myself every night, what's it gonna take? I got sharks swimming in my sea. I got alligators at my feet. Looks like he's a wrestler. Only one option that's to walk with me. As you don't know where you're going. Jake, that was the theme song to your favorite WWE wrestler. I think that this is a like huge con that you've set up to have the Orioles hire somebody with a name that sounds like a pro wrestler so that we can make uh, wrestling references. Look, I, it wasn't think- just me. I mean, the Orioles came out and made this all about them, too, saying walk with Elias. They even posted an Elias video uh, when Elias was actually hosted as well, where they were doing the Seven Nation Army aspect with Elias coming down. So... Look, the, the Orioles, you know, they had their WWE promotion in September of earlier this year. Oh, they blew it. Oh, that would have been perfect. So I think this is just a aspect of they knew what they wanted to do. They were setting up this relationship going forward so that, you know, in 2019, we're going to see Elias come out during a night game. We're going to dim all the lights down. Spotlight goes right on to Elias into the home plate. And he plays a little a few strumming chords. And then he breaks the guitar over somebody. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. People aren't going to come out for any other reasons. No, so that makes sense. Not at all. So Michael Elias is 
the guy. Yes. He's the hire. He is the new executive vice president and GM. Uh, Scotty, this is a little weird. Sure. I think that the Orioles probably made the best hire they could have made. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, there is not another candidate out there, in my opinion, that um, was as good as Mike Elias. Um, you know, I know there was various ma- names mentioned. Um, Kim Ning was one that was mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yep. But honestly, like, this is an individual from, you know, from from her aspect, which is she's been working with MLB operations for several time now. Her time was really like five to six years ago. Like, I'm not saying that her time has passed and she can't make something worthwhile, but like, you looked at that and just like, that doesn't make sense for the Orioles. Like, I don't know. Like, like, it just never made sense. So I love the Mike Elias signing in terms of what it's offering. I think it makes a lot of sense. I love the, the age movement downwards too of going out and hiring someone that's young and is going to be able to grow with the position. Uh, no, you and I are going to have to diverge. There. Okay. I'm I'm uncomfortable with the age of the Orioles' new executive vice president and uh and GM. Because it's, here's the thing. Okay. Last year I had to make peace with the fact that the last Oriole who was older than me left the club. This is the Darren O'Day fiasco. This is the Darren O'Day. And look, this was hard for me. I might never be a major league baseball player, Scott. Yeah, that's definitely true. Do you know what kind of heartache that entails? It was a shock to my system. And then for the Orioles, like jerks, to hire a guy who's just a couple months older than me, I was nearly almost older than the GM in the span of one season. That's not cool. I was not ready for this. Do you know how much therapy is going to have to go into this? I mean, Jake, you're an old man. It's true. Get used to it. It's true. Get used to it. But I I agree. I'm delighted. I'm delighted. I, I, I cannot think of a better profile of a GM that they could have hired. And we talked about what we wanted to see in the next GM, and I, I think they knocked it out of the park. I think they they ticked off every requirement that you and I went through. Yeah, I mean, you look at you know the the pedigree that is you know, and this is not just the Yale aspect, but it's uh, individual that played college baseball, uh, went in right into scouting, uh, worked for the Astros, um, doing director of amateur scouting, uh, worked to draft Carlos Correa, uh, worked in terms of doing player development and both minor league operations. So again, this is a person that has done scouting, has done player development, uh, minor league operations, very familiar with overseas drafting as well. Um, this hits all the categories that we as Orioles fans have criticized for years upon years saying, what is it going to take to get someone into this organization that kind of knows what they're talking about? Not only is he good at all of those things, but the Orioles valued that. Mm-hmm. Th- those are the two things that I, th- I think are really cool about yeah. this signing. Not only is is he a very accomplished, uh, you know, assistant GM becoming a GM in all those areas, but the Orioles went out and targeted that guy. Yeah, but they got lucky to a certain regard because the comments that were made by Rock indicating that it was either between him or Ned Coletti. <laughs> if they would assign Ned Coletti as the GM, everyone's opinion in Baltimore would be completely different right now. Everyone would be like. Same old Orioles coming in and doing exactly the same thing they have always done. This was a situation where ownership literally said, we've got to do something different. We've got to take example for what the rest of the league is doing. And we're going to, you know, tip our cap to another organization. And we're going to do what is necessary to make this team better. And, and who did they go after? A guy who was with the Cardinals yeah. and with the Astros. Yeah. 
they looked at who's good at this and let's go get their guy. Right. I, I, I really am impressed with the hire. It's so unusual to see the obvious answer out there and have the Orioles actually go get it. Yeah. And I mean, let's not kind of undersell this too, but you know, one of the conversations that was had when Michael Elias was hired was Sigmund Dell, who is actually one of the lead uh, analysts for the Astros through their A&D and analytics program, um, is mentioned to kind of be coming along with him through all reports. Um, again, a huge coup. And again, uh, Sarah Gell's uh, amazing. And it's actually funny that Sarah Gell's is actually going over to the Astros. But, you know, looking at what Sarah did, you know, Sarah basically did a carbon copy and established a foundation for the Orioles through um, SQL analysis, pitch FX, and did all the basic stuff that any other organization is to, needs to do. What I'm looking for uh, for someone coming in to do with the R&D analytics is I'm looking for someone to do things that are not currently being done, that are innovative, that may fail. But I want to try to be that next one up of saying, all right, we've got three different ways we can go about it. We can be conservative, we can go middle of the road, or we can be aggressive. And I'd rather be aggressive right now. That's the only way that we're going to come back and compete against you know, the Red Sox, the Yankees, is by trying something that nobody else currently is doing. And she probably did all that she could in an environment that wasn't particularly receptive. Yeah, and that's actually another great point. You know, I think, you know, you look at some of the conferences or some of the comments that were made at the conference day and also some of the comments that were made during the Reddit chat. Um, and, uh, you know, Elias basically came out and said to both the fan base and um, to social media saying, it's really important um, that we combine both statistical analysis along with player development. These two cannot exist in a vacuum. Um, statistical analysis should always be conveyed in a manner that can lead towards player development. And we have joked here at Birds of View, one of the shticks that we had during the first few years here was, you know, I was the sabermetrician, Jake was the gut guy, um, and we kind of played off this aspect of, like, who was right? Is it the sabermetrician or is it the baseball purist? And in reality, it's both. It always has been both. Um, it's always this aspect of if analytics are being done correctly, it's purveying a story and teaching someone something they may not net, might not be able to see on a day in a day out basis. And the fact that our GM came out during day one and said, you know, I'm going to work in terms of doing analytics to foster player development and really try to tell a story and or work on something really is what's interesting to me rather than Mike Boarding screaming saying, Boy, that extra velocity is really high for that one. That's really great. And it's just like, yeah, but what does it mean? Like, what what can we partake from this aspect of what kind of trends we can determine from this going forward? I, I, I thought that it was interesting that he kept saying, look, the game is already here. Right. Right. This is how the game today already is, and you can't do it any other way. And the analytics is going to inform the decisions that we make. Sure. It's information. Right. It's a process. And, you know, you, you hear the word process thrown out, but when you think about it scientifically, it's going to be a process into which they're going to find the best people sure. to do the best science to come up with as best results as possible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, you look at, you know, what Zach Burton said when he went to New York, um, and he mentioned, like, hey, there are certain things that the Yankees organization is throwing at me that I had never seen before. And you just kind of raise your eyebrows and be like, really? Like, how is another organization that far ahead? 
But then you look at what the Cubs are putting out, even now from a social media standpoint, you're like, man, the Orioles are in such a different league right now in terms of player development and or, or uh, analytics. So I really like uh, what Michael Ice is saying. Again, um, now it's the time for him to actually take action and prove it to us. But I do feel like for the first time in a very long time, I feel like the Orioles are um, taking the team in a direction that is at least with current culture as opposed to this is the Oriole way. And I love the Oriole way. I love the thought of, you know, Ripken Sr. out there teaching people. Um, we even went into the aspect of, um, you know, Bobby Dickerson at the end of this season kind of showing fundamental baseball. And I think that's incredibly important, but it can't be the only portion of the game anymore. There's so much data out there. There's so much valuable insights. It would be like me saying, I'm not going to use TV. I'm not going to use uh, pitch FX. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a cheat sheet scorecard and you're going to go ahead and pick out batter pitcher splits going forward just based off of this, just like Earl Weaver did 30 or 40 years ago. It's just, it's silly. It's the best way to describe it. Use the tools that you have available. If you don't, you're going to get passed by really quickly. I have a couple of notes from the press conference today that I want to talk about, but I want to ask you two questions up front first. The first is this. Um, what specific signs do you think that we should look for to know, to be convinced, because it's been a problem before, that Michael Elias really has autonomy in baseball operations? Um, I think the less we hear about Brady Anderson, the more I'll know. I don't think we're going to hear much from John and Lou, but the less I hear about Brady Anderson being involved in a deal or a trade or negotiation or conditioning, I think the better off we're going to be. I think if Brady Anderson reports to him, we'll know. Okay. Because I think there's room for Brady Anderson, right? I could totally see, you know, the Angelos boys. Mascot. Yep. (laughs) The Angelos boys go into Michael Elias and say, look, it's a non-starter. Brady Anderson has to still be here. He has value. Use him. And Elias saying, all right, I'll find a spot to use him. Okay, have the guys run up your back hill. Yeah. Have fun. You know what I mean? So I I feel like it's so, possible. I'll throw something else at you is if Brady is looking for that next role based off of Mike Elias coming in and Brady being like, I'm not sure where my role is here, but I want to be around the team. Could my uh, could Brady be the next Jim Palmer? Could he be that next color commentator for the next generation? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, Jim Palmer obviously I don't think is going anywhere in the next year or two, but I do think that a transition is going to have to happen in the next three to five years, just from a from an age standpoint. Well, let me ask you this: Yeah, as you ask yourself, could Brady Anderson be the next Jim Palmer? Did you ever think that you'd have to ask yourself, can Brady Anderson be the next Mike Bordick? I think so. If Bordick can do it, yeah, pretty sure Brady can yeah. do it. All right. Second question. Does this hire impact your feelings on the team and or your motivation to buy tickets of any kind in 2019? No, it doesn't. Ultimately, regardless of the signing, my opinion still stays put of, it's going to take at least five years for this team <laughs> to get back to some kind of relevance. Um, and I, I think if you look even at the Astros, 
The Astros took a long time, and there were several seasons there of 100 losses, 100 mm-hmm. losses, 100 losses. So, no, 2019 is going to be an absolute dumpster fire, um, but they're going to have to steer the course and continue the process. And, again, if you're buying tickets for 2019, you need to be aware that it's going to be just as ugly as it was during 2018. You're going for the beer. At, at best. Right. Yeah. Um, I agree with you on the ticket front, but I will say this. The interesting thing about this signing for me is that I think it is an indication of the organization going in the right direction. And one of the things that, and we'll get to the press conference in a second, but one of the things one of the Angelos boys said during the, I think it was Lou, uh, in response to a question about the fans, was that this is an opportunity for the fans to invest along the way. Mm -hmm. And that's totally a crap answer. And, you know, it's a manufactured answer to to get out of a question. But I got to thinking about it. As an Oriole fan, my entire life, I have not followed a functional organization. I have no idea what it's like to watch a functional baseball organization act. Even when the Orioles were good. Yeah. They were kind of dysfunctional. Sure. I have a good friend who's a Cardinals fan. And one of his favorite things about baseball is watching the prospects. Yeah. Seeing people get signed, watch them through the the minors, and see them come up to contribute at the major league level, to get dealt off for pieces that matter to his club, who, who, by the way, compete on a regular basis and go to the playoffs on a regular basis. Sure. It's not crazy for me to think that even if the 2019 Orioles are horrible, that I might have the same opportunity that other functional baseball fans have of watching the minor leagues and not being sold a bunch of magic beans. Sure. This is the first time that I think that all that crap that they tried to sell us from 2007 on, there may be a glimmer of hope there. Yeah. So there was an interesting conversation on Reddit, and I just wanted to kind of point this out of... Somebody asked, what as fans can we do to help this organization grow and succeed? And one of the comments that Michael Elias made is, um, this is a special time where the level of access and intimacy to, the play- to these players is something to be taken advantage of as a fan. I would encourage you to visit our minor league affiliates as well as Canyon Yards to follow these guys and get to know them before they arrive. It is a huge advantage for us that basically all of our affiliates are an easy drive from Baltimore. So here's my question. We talked about tickets for 2019. Should the Orioles be offering a season ticket plan that is a combination of both minor league baseball and major league baseball to get people out? So maybe a five-game plan for Camden Yards and a five-game plan for the minors. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'll even do you one better. So there's been a promotion through the years and it's called the Orioles passport. And mm-hmm. it was, if you go to every single basically stadium within the Orioles organization, uh, you can come and you'll basically get a t-shirt. What if instead of you basically go to each of those games and you go to each stadium that the Orioles reward you with tickets to a game? That's the way or something it. like that. Because here's the thing. I, I worry about the Orioles incentivizing people not to come to Baltimore. Sure. Right? I mean, you and I live in Hartford County. The Ironbirds are right around the corner. We have young children. We could absolutely say, okay, 
our children's experience with baseball is going to be at Aberdeen because it's so much cheaper and easier to get to. And there's no reason why we have to drive 35, 40 minutes. There's to a lot of things cheaper and easier in Aberdeen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think if, if they incentivize you to get to Baltimore by supporting the, the smaller clubs, absolutely. I think that's, that's a great thing. And I don't want to over, I don't want to oversell the point, but they've tried in the past to make me care about the, the cavalry, the sure. kids. And, you know, fool me once, shame on me. But uh, at this point, I'm willing to be more open to paying attention to what they're doing at the minor league level, how they're doing it, and to enjoy that process rather than to realize, you know, it's just another bunch of crap. I want you to remember back to when Manny was traded and everyone else was traded. And remember, we interviewed John Mioli. And John Mioli said, we asked John Mioli, what are you going to be doing for the rest of the season? And he said, I'm going to be spending the rest of my time in Bowie. I feel like I'm in the same boat as a John Mioli here. Like, what entices me to go to Baltimore and to Camden Yards to see players that probably will not be here during the resurgence? Why don't I just invest my money into going to these minor league ballparks and taking my kids to it? Again, it's a lot better experience for my kids. Uh, again, it's a lot cheaper. Uh, and again, I get to see the future as opposed to the whatever that it now is. Fair enough. Can we uh, can we jump for a second to today's press conference? Sure. Because I, I thought there was a lot of really interesting stuff there. Um, like the Angelos's? Yeah. Yeah. There were a ton of non-answers. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But there was a lot of really interesting stuff. Did you like the IKEA furniture? <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> so Angel, John Angelos said, you know, this this event represents a new era of transparency, right? We view this as... Uh, it's important for us to be transparent for you. And so we, we want to make ourselves available to this and the awkwardness of the formal yet trying to be comfortable chairs with the glass tables. Yeah. That was very much a gentleman who'd grown up in, in uh, the lap of luxury. But here's what I thought was interesting about the Angelos brothers talking up front. John Angelo said uh, something very interesting about the Orioles being a public trust and that his ownership group was a mere steward of the Baltimore Orioles. And that as much as owning the Orioles was about raising trophies and banners and all that. It It is. It is. It is. It is. It's also about using the platform to do good in the community. And I think that there are two ways to look at that. The first is that that's a cop out. For yep. competition, yeah. right? Clear, clearly. We're here for participation ribbons, right. everybody. As long as everyone is participating part of, part of the process, we're going to give participation ribbons out. The second is I want you to think back to the riots in Baltimore. Sure. And John Angelus's commentary. Yeah. And the fact that when he says things like, I've grown up here. This is my city. I care about this place. I care about the Orioles being a meaningful institution in the community. That doesn't ring hollow for me. I absolutely acknowledge that as a look over here. Don't pay attention to the losing record behind the curtain. Sure. But I think there's also truth there. And it's refreshing in the fact that the Angelos family as uh, expressed in Peter Angelos has been the enemy for a generation. Sure. And it's interesting to me that we may get to a point where the ownership group, one, is not a laughing stock of baseball, mm-hmm. and two, 
is a partner rather than an adversary for the fans and the community. Sure. We're not there yet. Right. This is one this is one press conference. Right. But it's an interesting window into what a baseball experience might be. No, that I, we haven't had. I completely agree with you. Um, you know, as much as people have harped on in the past, there's no question that the Angelos family in general has done a amazing job in the community. And I do agree with you that John as a whole has also been one of these faces of being stewards of the Orioles much more so as a policymaker rather than a um, you're going to need to pay me in order to basically do something for this for this city, which Again, when we look at some of the stadium deals that are being issued by like Cobb County down in Atlanta, uh, it certainly could be a lot worse. And I think if you look at this kind of social entrepreneurship um, that John Angelus has been providing, I think that is really something that potentially could be the next Oreo way. And here's why I come back to that. If the Oreos are willing to um, kind of promote this aspect, um, one of the biggest aspects that has been a harping cry from the um, majority of you know, fans like ourselves has been treatment of minor league baseball players, but also treatment of um, foreign-born players. Um, so I would raise the question to John Angelus of there'd probably be no better way to reach out to the community than to support your own individuals that are basically making eighteen to twenty thousand dollars, saying we are going to go out and support you, and we are going to basically allow you to be a part of this community without having to live in the basement of some people's houses. So. Again, it's six to seven million dollars, decent size of money. But in all honesty, I think it makes a major statement going forward of saying the Oriole way is basically making sure that everyone from the bottom all the way up to the top are treated with the same amount of equality, and we're going to go ahead and treat them equally. Totally cosign, but that's a lot easier if they win the Masson case. <laughs> it is a lot easier if they win the Masson case. But again, even the international aspect, we talked about Victor Victor Mesa. Um, you know, we can offer money. But in reality, um, these signings are relationship-based. There's no better way to build relationships than to basically go out there, build centers, um, build development uh, opportunities with each of these given areas, and also work with the given communities to also give back to them, saying, hey, we're building this baseball complex, but at the same time, around this baseball complex, similar to what we did in Sarasota, we're going to re-energize this entire community and basically make people want to come into this community and then maybe have a chance to be drafted and or propositioned by the Orioles in the near future. I'm so glad you said that. I, 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 while, while you were talking, I, I was thinking about that PDF of the $81 million of economic activity in, in Sarasota that the Orioles— Would you like me to get Nestor Aparicio on the phone? <laughs> and claim that they're responsible oh, for. Uh, but yeah, it would be really interesting to see that you know in the places in the Dominican where they have their camps, et cetera, et cetera. No, I, I agree. I, I co-sign all of that. Again, John has been a vivid um, advocate for— um, individuals that have lesser opportunity and or plight, um, not just within North America, but also globally as well. I think this is a really good a aspect to put your money where your mouth is um, and then also do it for a business purpose as well. So it's kind of I'm doing that social entrepreneurship, not just for my city, but for the general community that also can come back and impact my business as well going forward. So, yeah. So let's talk about Mike Elias uh, during the during the press conference. A couple of really cool things. Um, and of course, you know, he had to say things like, oh, the Angelos family, you know, is great and they have really awesome vision. Yeah, yeah. OK, fine. He graciously thanked the Astros and said that the Orioles would try to emulate that, that model, that that emulation part. 
was the the thing that I, I took away. Yes, yeah. he, he had to be gracious. But here's where I knew that this guy was smart. Okay. In all of that, in all of his thank yous, he stopped to pay homage to his own baseball widow, which I appreciate. Smart man. Didn't didn't call her that. Yeah. But she wasn't there because he had put her to work finding lodging and all the other stuff that needs to happen when you move across the country. Uh, yep. Baseball widow. Absolutely. Do you make anything of the fact that he is a quote-unquote local having grown up in Northern Virginia before the Nationals existed? I consider this the same as a uh, Alan Smith um, of, you know, I don't really care. <laughs> okay. All right. It's like, great. Alan, you're from Northern Virginia. Don't care. <laughs> uh, Alan, you can send your hate mail to Scott at Birds of You. Alan doesn't listen anymore. He He's too big for us. He doesn't. Oh, my goodness gracious. Big show. <laughs> something that uh, something that he said that I thought was interesting was he said that Baltimore at one point had been one of the most progressive teams in baseball and had gotten away from that and can be again. Uh, he was talking about the commitment to analytics. I think that's a really exciting statement. Yeah. You know, uh, clearly the Orioles are not at the forefront of what it is to be a modern baseball franchise. But if you look at what they did starting in 2012 with bullpen construction, okay, yeah, maybe the Royals got there first. Maybe the Yankees had figured it out early too. But people were saying that club is building their bullpen like Baltimore did. It would be great if they make this commitment, they get all the way there, they become successful, that Baltimore becomes a shorthand for clubs that move forward. You know, yes, they won't be the Astros. No, they won't be the Cardinals. But it'd be nice to think that we could stop being a laughing stock, stop being dysfunctional, and start being a model of consistency. That's really exciting to me as a fan. Yeah, it'd be very exciting to get back and actually do some, again, aggressive things, things that may fail, but aggressive things nonetheless. Um, I think that's what Baltimore is all about is go out there and try to do things. Even if you fail, it's okay, but go try to do something. It wasn't all sunshine and light. My my BS filter uh, pinged a few times. It, it pinged a few times. At one point, somebody asked him about the moves that the Orioles had made at the end of last year, mm-hmm. dumping all that talent. And uh, he, he was gracious to the uh, previous administration <laughs> and basically said, you know, I, I understand it. Those moves had to wor- had to happen. I'm glad those moves happened. You know, we're going to deal uh, work with the fruits of those efforts. Do you buy any of that, or do you think, as an incoming GM, you're just like, "Geez, you guys left me with crap," and your decision making was awful? I, I think I'd actually, I think he actually does mean it to a certain regard. I'd rather have a scorched earth policy and just have to start from scratch, rather than being left with, "All right, what am I going to do with this? I've got to basically." make meatloaf out of this old hamburger. I mean, the only thing left that was the think, old meatloaf. I think you're looking for chicken salad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was Chris Davis. And Chris Davis is, did get broached, but Chris Davis is the only kind of looming horse um, that potentially needs to be taken to the glue factory. So I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the the statement that was made by him of like, yeah, you know, I, I appreciate them going out and getting a few decent prospects. Let's see if I can turn these prospects from, you know, potentially top 100 prospects into truly top 100 prospects all right the baltimoreans may never do another nickname audit definitely not but if it ever happens 
Chris Davis needs to be Elmer. <laughs> that is a fantastic idea. There you go. There it is. All right. Is there any other uh, drop of content we can squeeze out of Mike Elias being signed as the uh, executive vice president and general manager of baseball operations? I, I don't think so. Um, you know, there was talk about the building an elite talent pool line all the way from the Dominican Republic Summer Leagues all the way up into the International League and into the majors with scouting, player development, coaching, analytics. We've talked about this too, but I do really appreciate the aspect of we're going to search high and low and see what happens again. The talk has been made now. Um, the actions that need to be taken at the, you know, halfway through last season in terms of getting rid of Manny and a bunch of other players has happened. Now comes the difficult proposition of rebuilding and basically starting from scratch where the Orioles haven't been for decades. And it's going to take a long, long time. So again, Birdland, I would ask you, you're going to have to be patient. Uh, you have hopefully lasted through this podcast for almost six years. It's probably going to take another six years oh. to potentially get back to the playoffs once again. So once again, Birdland, you are here with us for another six years as we mope and moan through the misery that is Baltimore Orioles baseball. You always make me sad. I do. I was trying to be hopeful. Yeah. All right. Should we uh, go ahead and blow the save? Oh, I yeah. I, it, it's ready to be blown. So, Jake, we didn't talk about it because it hasn't been made official, but... The question of managerial candidates did come up with Michael Elias. And I can't emphasize enough all this goodwill that has been fostered throughout Michael Elias would immediately be gone if Mike Portick is named as the next <laughs> manager for the Baltimore Orioles. Well, you, what about Rick Dempsey? I, my, my statement still stands. <laughs> Look, th there are plenty of other candidates out there. Look, I'd be perfectly fine with a Bobby Dickerson. Like, I'm not sure if that's the move that would happen from an Orioles way kind of way, but I'd be perfectly happy with that. But I will point out that Joe Espada being named as a potential candidate is a really intriguing candidate to me. Um, again, great resume in terms of um, working with the Astros. Great resume working with the Puerto Rican baseball team during 2017 World Baseball Classic. Currently does um, winter baseball uh, in, uh, in Puerto Rico. I, I, you look at all these options in terms of you know who are out there, and Joe Espada just strikes me as, all right, he's paid his due. It's time for him to take the next step, and it's time for him to now become a manager for a team. So I really want to see Joe Espada. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense um, based off of Michael Elias's connections with him. I think it makes a lot of sense also coming back down to if the Orioles want to invest heavily in terms of international scouting um, and international prospects, as it were, um, I think Joe Espada could serve as that individual during this transition period. I'm not saying Joe Espada is going to be the Buck Walter. I'm not saying Joe Espada is going to be the next manager that brings us a world series. But what I'm saying is I think Joe Espada can be that manager uh, to lead us through this transition period. I have a thought. Okay. We need a teacher. Yeah. Right. We need somebody that can deal with the kids. Yeah. 
We need somebody that can grow an organization. And it helps if this person has ties to the Houston Astros organization, a, a successful club, somebody with whom Elias has some familiarity. So, Scotty, there's one name out there, a former coach for the Houston Astros that has some experience with rebuilding teams, a little bit of managerial experience. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Dave Tremley. Hmm. I like it. So opening day, we're going to lose 30 to three. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, hopefully Spotify for this episode, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Also, Jake at and Scott at. Uh, you can find us on social media. We're on Instagram. Scotty, I just realized we have Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. Stay away from the corner. And let's go O's. The Orioles did a thing. The Orioles did a thing. And it wasn't a horrible thing. And it wasn't a horrible thing. Yet. (laughs) It's November, and I don't hate my club. One step forward will be followed by three steps back. It's a matter of time, Jake. That's Orioles fandom talking. Yes. I thought it was the whiskey. So, hey, this was fun. Uh, So, see you in January? Yeah, we'll (laughs) see you right before FanFest. Or March. Or May. Or Christmas carols. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.